It is Locked on Jazz for the 16th of August. The offseason is over. How should we look at it? The first team in the Western Conference just got better? Question mark. And the wonderful Ron Boone stops by for an offseason interview. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for tuning in. We are live now on YouTube for you as well. We're coming your direction on YouTube. You can subscribe at Locked on Jazz. We went over 2,000 subscribers the other day. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, as well, we are still available to you for free and on all podcasting platforms. Uh, all right, here's the plan. The offseason's kind of upon us, so we're going to move to about three days a week, best I can, up until we open camp. So that's probably for about the next five or six weeks. We'll do that. We'll hopefully do uh, interview series. Uh, Ron Boone this week. I'm thinking Tony Jones, Thurl Bailey coming up. Who else do you want to hear from? Please let me know. You can email me at dlock. 09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com if you have other people you want to hear from. We might run around with our locked on experts and kind of look at other teams of the Western Conference and all of that. I want to review our offseason, um, cause I really feel like the, the offseason is now summer league's done. The free agency's done. The roster is set. We're, we're, we're done and just kind of put a, uh, a little bow on it. But one of the things that's been most interesting about this offseason is I don't think anybody in the Western Conference has gotten better until maybe the Eric Bledsoe trade. Eric Bledsoe's got a bad name for him because he had such a lack of success in the playoffs for Milwaukee. But he's still a really good player. And frankly, unless he has slowed down miserably at 31, which I'm not sure he has done, he... Played 71 games for New Orleans last year. He didn't get to play with the ball in his hands as much because Alonzo Ball and because of other pieces. And he has had knee problems at times, so it would seem as though, okay, maybe he's slowing down, but I don't see a lot of data that shows me that, and I don't see that's the case. I mean, we always check, like, rim shooting, so that's the one area where maybe something's wrong because last year he went from 34% of his shots a year. Last three years he's gone from 38% of his shots to 34% of his shots, to last year, 16% of his shots at the rim. That's a pretty dramatic drop. Now, that also might be the difference between playing in Milwaukee's spread system in New Orleans with absolutely no spacing at all. My initial take on this, I'm going to give Bledsoe the benefit of the doubt. It was just a year ago in Milwaukee in a spread system in a wide-open offense, and he was really fabulous. He shot 48% for the field. He scored 15 points a game. Goes to New Orleans last year where they had no floor spacing. Zion, Steven Adams, Bledsoe himself is not a floor spacer, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart. Like that's not a team that had much floor spacing at all. 
Brandon Ingram's a two-point shooter, and he gets bogged down, doesn't get to the rim. Now, there is a chance, certainly, that his knees have finally worn out, and that is a decrepit 31-year-old Eric Bledsoe that's heading to L.A. I doubt it. I think this is the first move where somebody in the Western Conference has actually gotten noticeably better. Obviously, I don't think Russell Westbrook to the Lakers does that. But the fact of the matter is, Bledsoe, to me, is a major upgrade on Patrick Beverly, and Rajon Rondo is a shadow of what he once was. And the Clippers have been trying to trade Patrick Beverly for the last two years. Like Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly were in on the market for everyone to take at any point, and no one would do it. I'm not entirely sure why Memphis did this other than to get out of the little bit of Bledsoe's next guaranteed year. I don't see that they got much value here. Um, obviously, Bledsoe, maybe the feeling in the league is that Bledsoe's really slowed down. It's a great move by the Clippers. They get better, and they save a ton of money. The Clippers are funky because we don't know when Kawhi is going to be back and the length of his, um, how long he's out. But I see this as a, as a upgrade from the Clippers. Eric Bledsoe is a better player than Patrick Beverly or Rajon Rondo. I know Beverly gets the highlights. I know Beverly gets the talk on TNT. I know Beverly gets all the antics for all this stuff. He's just actually not that good anymore. He's slowed down. He's not the defensive player he once was. Bledsoe's an upgrade over Patrick Beverly, and he's probably a locker room upgrade as well. So for the first time in the Western this year in the Western Conference, somebody's gotten better other than just what we talked about last week. I think Phoenix gets the most better, most improved of any team in the league next year because DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges, and Devin Booker will all improve. All right, let's look before we get to Ron Boone, who will join us on the show today. Let's get to the Jazz offseason. And Really, it's an interesting offseason to kind of wrap your head around. They, we went into this offseason with, I think, more of a potential for disaster than most Jazz fans had contemplated. There were two things that could have really taken place here that could have gone disastrously wrong. One is that they could have lost Mike Conley. And two is that while cutting salary, you could have lost Joe Ingles, Boyan Bogdanovich, Royce O'Neal, or Jordan Clarkson. Neither of those two have taken place. To me, I mean, the unbelievable spending of Ryan and Ashley Smith and the Jazz and what they're willing to do right now in the fact that they're willing to spend that much money and be able to still be this far over the tax is the first thing that's remarkable this offseason as a fan. The second is I I just didn't think re-signing Mike Conley was a guarantee. So you get Conley back. Had you lost Conley, you weren't going to be able to re-sign him. Two, you don't trade any of your other main pieces. And then three, you're able to make enough adjustments around the outside of this roster with the addition of Rudy Gay, with Hassan Whiteside for Derek Favors, that you were able to save some money. And I don't think the Hassan Whiteside for Derek Favors is a major step backwards. And I think over the course of the playoffs, Rudy Gay for George Niang is an upgrade. I, as I've said before, like George was really, really, really good in that role of 14 minutes a night in the shooting 43% from three or whatever he finished at. So I, I'm not actually sure that that'll be an upgrade in the regular season. Over the versatility of the roster, the ability to do different things, ability to play in playoffs, certainly Rudy Gay and his experience will be a better playoff player than George looked to be uh, for the Jazz at least also amount of options. But in the regular season, I, I'm not certain on that. I, and I, I think we have to be clear about it. it. doesn't mean it's not a good move. I think we just have to be honest about how good George was last year um, and how perfectly he fit into the team and also what he meant for the club. But when you look at the Jazz offseason, I'm not going to like Pollyanna this, that it went perfectly. What I think it's more of is that like you were driving the, the, the truck toward the cliff and there was a chance the brakes weren't going to work. And there was a chance you were going over the edge. And instead... Like, we got a pretty good view. We got everything back. We're still in pretty good shape. And then, you know, the little stuff, 
like the way the summer league went, the summer league was pretty perfect. Obviously they, they won a lot of games, but also like Trent Forrest signs a two way deal. That to me is an important deal. We just don't know that whether Jared Butler, how much he's going to be able to give the draft night seemed to go well. The jazz were able to get out from under spending the money on a number one pick and they were able to go get, um, Jared Butler in a, in a pretty good pickup. Um, for them, we'll see over time. Some people, you know, I was talking to Tony Jones at the Athletic the other day. He's, he's wildly high on Butler. I'm not as like, uh, I read Andy Larson's breakdown on him the other day. He's wildly high on him, called him a lottery pick. I, I didn't, I saw a really, really nice basketball player. I didn't see a lottery pick. I saw a guy who can play. I saw a 6'3 guy who, I mean, I love the fact that on one drive with his left, he went left and went off one foot and packed it. And another time when he went right, he went two feet and powered up. Like those are some special ready skills that most guys don't have. But I, I didn't get myself. I wasn't as wowed as everyone else. I hope that, um, he is, he is absolutely terrific or at least can play the role. But Trent Forrest played so well in summer league that I think he got, he has to give you the confidence that, you know, while that shot was, not good last year, was okay in summer league, it's not a big enough sample size, that he's actually ready to play 14, 15 minutes a night if necessary. And Doak's got, has got people asking. I got text messages from a bunch of people around the league of like, hey, do you think Doak can play? And, you know, I don't think people this time last year thought that he could. So uh, I think Doak got a good league. So, I mean, when you just kind of look at this just in a capsule, we'll get in more detail over the, ne- over the rest of the week and kind of dig into each of these pieces, and we've done each of them individually. But as we kind of put the bow on the offseason, it's over here, it seems pretty solid, like particularly considering what we could be sitting here. We could be sitting here without Mike Conley, without a rotation piece, without Derek Favors, without a lot of fill-ins, without changing the versatility. And the goal coming in was to re-sign Mike Conley, deal a little bit with our luxury tax situation. And, again, Whiteside could be better than Derek. We'll see. To give us some roster versatility, and then from a young guy standpoint, I think we saw those guys develop in the summer league as – as best we could. So to me, that feels pretty, pretty darn good. Today's show is brought to you by my friends over at Murdoch Chevy, located over in Woods Cross, also in Logan. If you're going to stop by either of those locations, you can get the VIP treatment at Murdoch Chevy the same way you get over at Murdoch Hyundai. Just email me first at DLock09. The Chevy truck and the Silverado truck are absolutely the best there are on the market. Absolutely fabulous. The Silverado is, it's cool, man. When we had it and we were and I was driving it. It was absolutely fabulous to have, uh, just kind of a big, I've said it before. You, you feel like you're all powerful. And at the same time, it actually feels a little bit, uh, like you're driving a late with a lazy boy chair because it is just that comfortable. Absolutely fabulous experience. The Colorado's the smaller, more nimble truck. Uh, you can run around the neighborhood in a little bit as well. And then the great SUV lineup with the legendary Tahoe, uh, and suburban that you know so well. Uh, in the top line of the Chevys, but now also the Traverse, the Blazer, the Trailblazer, all the way working it down to the great Equinox. Check it all out. Murdoch Hyundai, located in Woods Cross and in Logan. We have a new sponsor of the show. It's called Sweat Block. Pretty interesting product, a Utah product, doctor created, doctor recommended. The, is For those of you who have either a excessive sweating issue or a presentation you have to give where you know, or you're going to be out somewhere where it's super warm. I'm actually coming to you from a Dallas hotel room and the humidity here. We could use a little sweat block right now. It's pretty amazing. It is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime and go to bed. And the next morning you wake up, wash and go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. 
I know this all sounds like it's too good to be true. It literally is that good. If you have an excessive sweating issue or you have a, a kid who's going to high school and has a little bit, that's pretty embarrassing for teenage kids. You can grab it there. Major presentation. It comes on just like with one simple uh, wipe and you suddenly aren't sweating. Uh, Chase, the owner of the company, when he had to test it out to try to figure out, he literally went on a run and did one side and not the other and saw the impact. It is called Sweat Block. You can get it at sweatblock.com. And when you do that, you can use the promo code locked on and get 20% off or it's at Amazon or CVS. That's sweatblock.com, promo code locked on and see, uh, what Sweat block can do for you to help you out of those embarrassing circumstances or help you with excessive sweating. Am I clear? And now joining us, the great Ron Boone, making a video appearance with his take note shirt on, looking strong. I can't tell how much golf you've gotten in. How are you? The way you can tell how much golf I got in, if you look at this sleeve I put on my left knee, then you can tell because I, my left knee is pretty tan other than the part where the sleeve is on my knee. All right. So you're, I've been playing quite a bit, in other words. Yeah. And how, and how are you playing? I'm playing real well. You know that course we talk about so often about, you know, getting healthy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like sometimes you play Glendale and sometimes you play Glen Wild. So exactly. 70, Four yesterday at, Glen, at Glendale, so had a good day. And, and if I got you, if, if we got Big D Construction to take you to Glen Wild, uh, how would you shoot there? That's coming. That's coming. I mean, once a year that I, I get a chance to go up there with Big D Construction and, and play uh, and play Glen Wild. All right. Well, we'll have to get you out. And yeah, then you- sometimes I get a, sometimes you get a chance to play Park Meadows too. I mean, I have a friend there as well. So, you know. Right. Well, that just depends whether my daughter invites you or not. That's exactly right. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's go big picture just to start. We'll dig into all the details and everything else in the West. We got, to, we always take some time on this when we talk to Ron about this. Like what's been your kind of, has it been an emotion? The fans, I feel like went through an emotional roller coaster this off season. Um, but the, after, you know, did, did you feel that or did you kind of get what was coming? What's your, what's your vibe on, on how you've been through this off season? Off season has been interesting, I, I think. Uh, thinking, I mean, you, when the season's over, you're always looking and thinking about how to improve a basketball, improve your team for the most part. You know, what moves can be made, uh, what players um, um, gave you the most from the previous season. I'm trying to be careful here because uh, th- there was times during the course of the season where you knew that uh, certain players were going to be moved. Uh, in order to improve the team, certain players had to be moved. And, and so you, you start looking at the season like the, from that perspective, then you start thinking about, okay, how to improve this basketball team. Obviously, as you, you and I discussed during the course of the season, you know, the wing play, uh, the fact that we do start two small guards. I mean, where was our, our we needed uh, a guard with some size and, and maybe with some strength. You know, that, that type of thing. And just trying to look and feel that without destroying a very good basketball team, how to improve it. You win the type of season, have the best record in the NBA. Can you duplicate that again this year with, with the moves that the Jazz made? I mean, this, it just, boy, it's just tough. And then having to ask, answer questions, I think, David, from some of, some of your fans when you really don't know, you know. 
All right, so let's go back to the loss in L.A. When it all ended, we kind of left the building utterly stunned. Um, let, there's two questions, I think, that have to be answered. So one is the collapse. Like, the fact that they collapsed the way they did in that game with that massive run and the game swinging that dramatically, um, and then you couple that with the 3-1 loss to the Nuggets. Like, is there something in that group that was, which had really been together for two years, that just that wasn't tough enough or strong enough or lacks a mental something? Was there, is there some, like, mental aspect having those two kind of crushing losses to who this group was as a personality? I, I just start asking a question to yourself. Now, um, the Jazz didn't finish two series. Denver Nuggets, they didn't finish against the, 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 the Clippers. Um, the type of team that we have, do we have the personnel to finish a, a very close uh, basketball game? Uh, then you look at the fact that the Jazz guard line, uh, especially against the Clippers, was, was injured. And just think about during the course of the year, the number of teams that the Jazz were able to catch uh, with injuries that had problems, you know, and not being completely healthy. As not being completely healthy toward the end of the year, I, I thought, especially going into the playoffs, really, really, really hurt. And the fact that they ended up losing that, that series, uh, and you start thinking about how could they have won or how could they have beaten this team, did they collapse? Think that, you know, without having two strong players in, in Conley and, and, and Donovan, uh, collapse, I think, is kind of a strong word, I, I think, as far as uh, uh, in that series is concerned. So then the next evaluation point I think you had to make going in this offseason was, did they lose to the Clippers because it was a bad matchup, right? The, the problem with the Jazz all season long was if you took Rudy off the floor, we were just horrendous defensively, right? We talked about on the broadcast all the time, like, holy smokes, they've scored seven of nine. They've scored nine of 11. Like, it was just obvious. every. And then the Clippers found this way to, like, with Rudy on the floor, make him irrelevant defensively. That that was the crusher, right? They spread him out and they made him irrelevant defensively. So So now the question was, was that something unique to the Clippers? Or is this something that could have the Lakers done this? Could have Phoenix done this? Could have Denver done this? Like, could other teams have done the same thing? Or did we just happen to run in to the one team that actually was able to play the, the kind of our kryptonite? From a coaching standpoint, um, I think every coach in the league probably could have done this. And, and you're talking about a seven game series. Um, Coaches are pretty smart. They're going to figure it out. They have uh, they have analytics and they have their their uh, coaching assistant coaches and everything. They get together. They go. They're going to figure it out. Every team in the league could probably have figured out what exactly what the Clippers figured out there, um, and and made it awfully difficult for the Jazz to um, you know to beat them. So what the Clippers did against the Jazz was something that that um, probably. Every Coach in the league could probably could probably have done success. The did uh, did other teams have the personnel to do it? Because like I don't think Phoenix can do it, right? Because DeAndre and, and Ayton's got to stay on the. That that's that that's the big question. What what would they have made? And, uh, uh, 
I feel that we uh, just the Phoenix because they have put like guys out there on the floor minus Chris Paul or five guys out there on the floor minus Chris Paul. Well, and I think oh, we just lost Ron. All right, we ran into some technical difficulties there with Ron in his video feed, so we're going to get Ron back on. We're just going to have him on as an audio feed. We'll still have it up on YouTube, and then actually I'll have fun and put little pictures of Ron up. And on Friday this week when we have Ron on, or Thursday or Friday, we'll actually run through memories with Ron of all these fun pictures that I have of him um, along the way. Today's show is brought to you as well by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar with the greatest tasting protein bar on the market. Is it a candy bar? Is it a protein bar? It is awfully hard to tell. And they have got the coconut almond and the peanut butter brownie are back. Now, I'm staying away from both those because those have nuts in them, and I'm allergic to nuts, but you can go jump all over them. Plus, the regular flavors, coconut, strawberry, orange, double chocolate, mint brownie, salted caramel, raspberry, cookies and cream, and cherry barcia with incredible macros. That's right, the amazing numbers, the details on those built bars with the low carbs, high protein, low calories. It feels like it's too good to be true, and it is too good to be true because right now you get a free built bar travel cooler with every bar purchase. So for the 130 calories, just two and a half fat grams with four grams of sugar and six grams of fiber, while 17 grams of protein. In a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar with 100% real chocolate and 100% delicious. Go right now. Go to Locked15 is your promo code. That's Locked15. You can order the mixed bar with nine different flavors coming with two of each or build your own box, mix and match three flavors. It's at BuiltBar.com. Promo code Locked15 gets you 15% off. Today's show is also brought to you by Indeed. If you are out in the market trying to hire people, it gets hard, it's time-consuming, it's difficult. Well, the answer to all of that is Indeed. Don't just hope for the perfect candidate. Indeed's hiring tools will help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed's Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked on. Indeed.com slash locked on. $75 credit in Indeed.com slash locked on. Indeed.com slash locked on through September 30th. Indeed will hire, help you with the hiring process and take care of all your needs. That is what Indeed will do for you. Check it out. Again, it's Indeed.com slash locked on. All right, we had a video technical problem with Ron, but he's still with us. He's on the phone, and it will be great. Uh, all right, so, Ron, we were talking about, like, the way the Clippers beat us, and the, the big question to me I'm trying to figure out is, was that just unique to the Clippers, like, in the sense that they could do that? Like, could Phoenix have done that to us? Could have other – like, because DeAndre Ayton's on the floor. Phoenix can't really do that to us. Well, I think any team, David, that that's pretty athletic and can put uh, – some players with some length out there on the floor, uh, that six five, uh, you know, something similar to what we saw Houston do or, uh, and then we saw the Clippers do it there as well. 
could probably do something like that, how effective they could be in the, in the long term for a long period of time would, would be the quick, the, the big question. But any, coaches are smart nowadays and they find ways to, to, uh, to make things happen out there on the floor. You know, Gwen Snyder, probably one of the best in the league and, and at making those adjustments during the course of the basketball game or from game to game, especially in a seven game series. I mean, you can make things happen like that. So did, cause I have left feeling and maybe this is just self justification so that I, you know, don't get depressed that a little bit of what happened to us was that we ran into the wrong team. That if we had run into different teams along the way, we might have been okay. Is that wishful thinking on my end? I don't think it's, it's, it's yes, absolutely. Uh, and then think about what uh, Reggie Jackson did against us. And, and uh, what, he have 27 points in that last basketball game. And, and they just didn't beat them. Jazz just didn't lose. They were beaten by, by the Clippers. I think that last score was he lost by about 12 or 13 points or something like that. But um, they were good enough and and probably didn't realize how good or how effective they could be against the Jazz until they got into that third and fourth game of, of that series. And, and the adjustment they made and then with the athleticism that they do have made it awfully difficult for the Jazz to win. I mean, the irony is that by Kawhi getting hurt, they were forced to play that way. They didn't. That's, right? Isn't that the irony? That is a great point. Great point. I mean, that often does that happen with, with, with teams when you, you have a certain way of playing, you have a certain, uh, minutes that guys play out there on the floor. We saw it with Rudy. What, what Rudy played, what, three stints, uh, during, during the basketball game for, for the Jazz. And then if, if Rudy wasn't there, in this case, Kawhi Leonard wasn't there, now you got to find different combinations and different ways to, to, to play the game. Okay, then they found something. Uh, and, and when they did that, then Reggie Jackson starts to step forward. And he starts to be more athletic, uh, more offensive-minded. And he had a great series against us. That, that's for sure. I mean, he put together some, some very good basketball games. And then to go along with the way they defended the Jazz, made it, uh, obviously made it, made it a big difference. The crazy one to me in that whole series was when the Clippers just had that ability to go six eight two twenty with like every guy but one. So if it was Reggie Jackson was the one or if Terrence Mann was the one, because they were six eight two twenty, they could always double with a, a six eight two twenty guy. They just had another guy coming at you the whole time that were six eight two twenty. It's pretty impressive. Well, that's very impressive, and that's what I meant by being able to put. That type, that type of size out there on the floor and be athletic enough to the point where they can switch all over the floor, uh, and, and, you know, keep you from getting to the basket. You know, the Jazz like to force guys to Rudy defensively. Um, and, and, and now that the Clippers, they, they took away the dribble drives of the Jazz and forced the Jazz to, uh, you know, to beat them a, a different way. Uh, it was just some smart coaching, I think, by, but Tyrone, by, by Ty Lue for the most part. But, um, I, I'm, I'm not so sure, David, that, that, I mean, those first two ball games, uh, we all thought, oh boy, this is going to be the Jazz going to, you know, win this series, but it just didn't happen. Heck, I thought the Jazz were winning the series in the middle of game six, right? Yeah. Or game, yeah, was it, right? Game six, we take the lead. You think you're going to have game seven coming back? 
I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, we get to call a Western Conference Finals. I think I like might have jinxed it and said that to you during a like during a timeout. Like this is gonna be amazing. We get to call a Western Conference Finals. This is gonna be incredible. And then that's the third quarter. Third quarter got us. I remember that. It got off scored by 12 or 14, 15 points, something like that in that third quarter. And, and that was the end of it. I mean, just made it an easy ball game. I'm looking at my book here now, Dave, David, where they outscored us 32 to 18, as a matter of fact, in that third quarter. And, and uh, the Jazz, then they played the even basketball game in the fourth. So after leading by five going into the third quarter, but it was the third quarter that did the Jazz in at game six. Yeah. No, it was, it was disappointing. No, no questions asked there. And I, you know, I think, and I, I it's interesting on what that front office with Justin Zanuck at the helm had to decide because like, do you take the best record in the NBA and the fact we weren't healthy and decide, you know what, we're going to take another shot at it. Like there's a theory kind of out there that like, so you got like an 18% chance to win it. Like you just got to give it a bunch of different shots at it. You finally break through like Milwaukee did. Or the other was that there's just something like fundamentally flawed with the group that they can get run like that in that big a moment and that we just, you know, don't have something. But I, I, I don't think you can tear down and throw to the wind a team with two young stars and, you know, had the best record in the NBA. And so you've got to find a way to build, still build around it. Uh, even though they have this kind of ugly singular experience that they've had. You know, that, that, that is something that I think every team will go through at the end of the season. I don't care. Milwaukee will go through something like this, David, at, at the, uh, starting next season as well. I mean, like, as you mentioned, whether they spent three years trying to get to this point where they can, they, they can win, win a championship. Um, the Jazz had to stay pat with certain players and try to build around um, how they want to play going forward. Um, let's look at our roster and George Nian, as much as we loved him, he was more of a product, I think, of the system. Um, a three-point shooter, um, a player that didn't shoot off the dribble, um, wasn't a great defensive player. But Quinn found a way to make him effective when he was in the basketball game. He was a very good three-point shooter, that, that's for sure. But is that the way that – is that the type of player that they wanted to have going forward and try to win a championship? And so obviously it, it wasn't. They needed to be more athletic, uh, and we're seeing, you know, just that. So staying pat with the certain players. I mean, you, you got your three stars and Conley and, and – um, Donovan, uh, Rudy Gobert, Boyan, and, and as effective as he is, I, I think he just didn't get, a, he, he's not getting enough credit or about, you know, the type of season that he had and what he was able to do for the offense, how effective he is, uh, for the offense. You know, we talk about Donovan and Conley and, 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 uh, Rudy and Rudy Gobert quite a bit, but I think Boyan should be mixed in there as well. Interesting. Interesting. Um, all right. So. We get to this off season and you've got massive luxury tax issues. You've got this roster that, um, you know, was really, really good, but injured. Um, what was your feeling kind of going into this off season? Did you think they were going to be able to make significant changes? Did you think they were going to be able to find a way to try to get better or what, what was your feeling going into this off season? 
like everyone else, I didn't think, David, I knew that there had to be a couple of changes made in, in order to go forward, going forward. Uh, and I was kind of surprised uh, with, you know, going the Rudy Gate direction, but then I understand it. Um, and we, you got Donovan, you got Rudy Gobert that you, you can't afford to not, for them to have the type of season where they're not winning any basketball games and they're struggling with season. They need to win and, and be effective now. And, and so I, I understand the moves that they made. And, and I, out of necessity, I, I, I thought all along that there was going to have to be some, 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 um, some moves made in order to strengthen this basketball team. The West is unbelievably strong. And how much have they improved uh, remains to be seen. But on paper, the West is, is really, 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 really strong. And so I think the Jazz had to, had to keep pace. Even though the best record in the NBA last year, uh, they had to keep pace with the other teams that were making moves. If we back up before we dig into that, we'll do that. Uh, we'll dig into each individual move here on tomorrow's show of, of Locked on Jazz. If we back up to last year, why do you think they ended with the best record in the NBA? What were, what would be the things that you put down that says this is why they had the best record in the NBA? Uh, there's, there's a couple of things. First of all, we're, we're very talented, very good at home. Uh, defensively, the Jazz forced teams to have a very good offensive game in order to, uh, in order to, for teams to beat them. The next one that, the, that I have, David, is that, and, and be interesting, and I'm sure you're smart enough and, and well enough to find it, is how many teams did we catch that were shorthanded with their superstars? Like the teams caught us in the playoffs with Donovan being hurt and playing through, which, man, what an effort he put forward, you know, being hurt. Uh, and then Conley being, being out there as well, just not being at full strength. We caught some teams during the course of the year full, at, at, where they were not full strength, and uh, we, we did what we had to do. I mean, the Jets, they had, they had to win. If they didn't win those games when teams were shorthanded, then what does that say about your basketball team? Yeah, I, mean, I think those two things said it all right there. It, it, it is really interesting, and it's hard to look back and try to figure that out, like because there were so many injuries and we were so healthy. Phoenix was too, right? The the teams that finished one, two in the West were completely based on health in in that kind of funky season. Um, and and so it is, you know, was there and does that tarnish at all? Like as you evaluate where the team stands, should you evaluate it less favorably, or is that actually something you should give credit to the team for? I, I don't know where where to feel fall on that. You know, I, I don't either. But the Jazz ended up winning what fifty one games last year, and uh, fifty two games, and that was the reason I was wondering. You know, how many of those? I think they would have definitely been in the mix, and that that includes the the Phoenix Suns there as well. So I think the 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 it, it would have been a lot closer for couple of other teams there as well uh, to see who had the best record in the West or best record in the NBA if teams wasn't, you know, didn't have those injuries that they had. The only one I, the only one I would point out that, and maybe it all is all because injuries, and, and I do think when I evaluate, we'll talk about it coming up here in a second, when I evaluate, or to, uh, uh, this week, uh, when I evaluate this, the standings, you know, we were five games up on Denver and LA and everybody else, so that's, 
you know, that's probably the quick equivalent of six, maybe six and a half games in a real season when it's only 72 ske- games. You are not playing 15% of your schedule. So it's really the equivalent of being up six games. That's a lot. Like Phoenix and Utah yeah, were up by a, a lot. You were breaking up. What you say that again? I just, no, it's just, that was a lot. I think you heard me. Yeah. Uh, that is, yeah, that, that, that's quite a bit. Uh, but we'll find out how, you know, how, how good this basketball team is. And, and I think what's interesting, David, is, is, is the, will Quinn be able to, to run his offense a little bit different, you know, with Rudy Gay, um, and, Hassan Whiteside now uh, on the basketball team. Uh, would, would Rudy Gobert be playing 30 minutes a game or something like that rather than 35, 36? I mean, will Quinn have the luxury of being able to do that with Whiteside? This, this, this season, especially at the beginning of the year, is going to be interesting to see what approach they've worked on over the course of the year to try to get this done. Of course, of the summer, rather, to try to get this done. Interesting stuff. He is Ron Boone. He'll be back with us tomorrow as we continue the summer interview series here on Locked On Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning in. Right now, tell your smart device to listen to the most recent episode of podcast Locked On Today. Have a good one. More with Ron coming your direction our next episode.